<laughs> the stage, Hare Krishna. <laughs> Thank you, Prabhu. I'm happy to be with you this evening, ISKCON Berlin, and devotees who are joining outside of Berlin on this special day of Srila Prabhupada's Tirobhava. So I'll just chant some pranam, pranati, and then we can begin with some some thoughts, some readings uh, to uh, to remember, to appreciate, to refresh our memories uh, of this most wonderful, uh, wonderful acharya person who came into our lives, who changed our lives, transformed our lives, is transforming our lives. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shigurave Nama Shri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupa Karamahyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatang Vitam Tang Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitangscha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nivishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshatarine Vancha Kalpatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubya Evacha Patita Nampavane Bio Vaishnave Bio Namo Nama He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabando Jagat Pate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Brindavaneshwari Rishavanu Sute Devi Pranam Ami Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare I thought we could begin by reading two the two final purports that Srila Prabhupada wrote before his departure. As you may know, Srila Prabhupada was translating Srimad Bhagavatam. 
from 19, early 1960s, uh, possi possibly even late 1950s. He completed uh, the first canto, and it was published in three volumes uh, in prior to his departure for America. He, when he, when he went to America, he had on board the ship trunks with 200 sets of his book, or books. And uh, he would take every opportunity while he was traveling uh, to write. Of course, Srila Prabhupada's writing um, initially was actually writing and later it was dictating as devotees arranged a recording device for him and so on. Um, but over these years of his traveling and um, establishing his mission, uh, first in America and then in Canada and then in so many other countries of the world, he always came back to his sort of... Um, basic activity, um, practically without, with, without any break, uh, every night or every early morning, he would sit down and he would um, proceed with his translation of Srimad Bhagavatam and, of course, then Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, and uh, other other books. His final translation and commentary prior, very, very sh um, close to his departure in Vrindavan, was Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 13, Brahma Stealing the Boys and Calves. And we're all familiar with that very special pastime of the Lord. Sometimes it's called Brahma Vimohan Lila because Lord Brahma is very much bewildered um, by Lord Krishna uh, as he makes this attempt uh, to steal the calves and the cowherd boys. And the chapter ends with Lord Brahma coming to see what has transpired in what for him is an extremely short time, but for uh, Lord Krishna and the residents of Vrindavan has been an entire year. And when he comes back, what does he see? He sees that Krishna is there with all of the cowherd boys and all the calves, just as he had left them, and when he went, when Brahma went to check where he had hidden the calves and the cowherd boys, he saw there also there, and thus he became very confused. And 
when Krishna then manifested together with all of uh, the cowherd boys four armed forms, then Lord Brahma really, really became bewildered, became bewildered, but then uh, the light dawned on him and he understood his own foolishness uh, and then Shuka, Shukadeva Goswami tells us in verse 63 of this chapter, Uttayotaya Krishnasya Chirasya Padayok Patan Aste Mahitvang Prak Drishtam Smritva Smritva Puna Puna rising and falling again and again at the lotus feet of Lord Krishna for a long time. Lord Brahma remembered over and over the Lord's greatness he had just seen. Srila Prabhupada gives a short purport to this verse. He says, as stated in one prayer, Shrutim apare smritim itare bharatam anye bhajantu bhavabhitaha aham iha nandang vande yasyalinde parang brahma Let others study the Vedas, smriti and mahabharata, fearing material existence. But I shall worship Nanda Maharaj, in whose courtyard is crawling the Supreme Brahman. Nanda Maharaj is so great that the Parabrahman is crawling in his yard, and therefore I shall worship him. And this is from Padyavali of Srila Rupa Goswami. Prabhupada continues, Brahma was falling down in ecstasy, because of the presence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who exactly resembled a human child, Brahma was naturally astonished. Therefore, with a faltering voice, he offered prayers, understanding that here was the Supreme Person. And then there's one more verse to this chapter. Shanair, Shanaira Tottaya Vimridja Lochane Mukundam Udviksha Vinam Rakandara Kritanjali Prasrayavan Samahita Svavepatur Gadgadayai Latelaya. Then, rising very gradually and wiping his two eyes, Lord Brahma looked up at Mukunda. Lord Brahma, his head bent low, his mind concentrated, and his body trembling, very humbly began with faltering words to offer praises to Lord Krishna. And Srila Prabhupada writes, Brahma, being very joyful, began to shed tears. And he washed the lotus feet of Krishna 
with his tears. Repeatedly he fell and rose as he recalled the wonderful activities of the Lord. After repeating obeisances for a long time, Brahma stood up and smeared his hands over his eyes. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur comments that the word lochane indicates that with his two hands he wiped the two eyes on each of his four faces. Seeing the Lord before him, Brahma began to offer prayers with great humility, respect, and attention. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the 10th canto, 13th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam entitled The Stealing of the Boys and Calves by Brahma. So this is Srila Prabhupada's final purport prior to departing. And it ends with this sentence, seeing the Lord before him, Brahma began to offer prayers with great humility, respect, and attention. So this feeling of Lord Brahma, which is um, very intense, it's, it's a joyful feeling, he points out, so much so that tears are coming from his eyes, I think is a very uh, significant moment of... Uh, describing the Lord's pastimes that Srila Prabhupada leaves us with. He leaves us with this, but of course we want to say that he doesn't really leave us. Uh, we want to appreciate how, how he continues to be with us and continues to inspire us uh, to serve Krishna. One of the things that I think we can all appreciate about Srila Prabhupada is that he always called our attention to Krishna, to service of Krishna, not to himself. Uh, Maybe three days ago, I was interviewed uh, for the third time by one writer in India. I was introduced to him in, in India this last, um, last February or March, February, I think, in Delhi, um, to to speak with him because he's been commissioned uh, to write a book on ISKCON. Uh, he's a fairly known author. His name is Amit Kapoor, and I believe he's writing for... Um, he's going, his book is going to be published by Penguin. So it's going to be 
uh, a very widely read book, I'm sure. Um, so he's 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 interviewing several devotees, and uh, he has asked me to answer questions of his uh, three times now. And he said this last time. He said, "This is becoming." So fascinating. <laughs> I'm becoming more and more fascinated uh, with this whole story. Um, because one thing I see is that Prabhupada is not like, he's very different uh, from, from these gurus that we usually see. There are some quite prominent gurus uh, in India today. They're very popular. Um, sometimes they're called God-men because either they or their followers identify them as God himself. Uh, we know, of course, Srila Prabhupada was very emphatic uh, that we are a servant of God, all of us. And so... Uh, he always put Krishna in the front. So anyway, this um, Amit was telling, was saying, and this is uh, this is uh, quite remarkable. So it'll be something I think he'll be highlighting in his book. I thought we could look at some remembrance of Srila Prabhupada by. Well, first by one uh, gentleman in Vrindavan, uh, the late Sriman Gopal Chandra Ghosh. I had the good fortune to meet and speak with uh, Gopal uh, Chandra Ghosh in uh, 2001. At that time, he was in charge of the Vrindavan Research Institute. Very sweet person. Uh, it's mentioned here. I'm taking this from a very nice compilation that was done by Mula Prakriti Devi Dasi, our Srila Prabhupada, a friend to all, early contemporary, early contemporaries remember him. Um, Gopal Chandra Ghosh was, for me, a very striking person, very humble, uh, very sweet personality, and extremely learned about history uh, of uh, the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Uh, he has since departed the world, but uh, fortunately these memories have been kept of his Remembering Srila Prabhupada in, this would have been the 1950s, uh, and then later, he's also recalling when uh, Prabhupada came back in 1971 or 72 with so many Western devotees. Uh, so, and we can begin with a memory he has of Srila Prabhupada remembering his spiritual master, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. 
Uh, he says that uh, Srila Prabhupada had been not well. He had been uh, somewhat ill and he had been keeping himself very, very much wrapped up in blankets and so on. But now uh, he said he is better. Uh, he was happy, he was healthy. Uh, he was writing again, uh, and he confirmed uh, to Gopal Goshji, uh, yes, I am feeling better now. And then Prabhupada told him, at night, my Prabhupada came in my dream. He encouraged me, saying, you do work like Narottam Thakur, like Srinivas Acharya, and like Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Uh, Gopal Ghosh refers to our Srila Prabhupada uh, as Swami Maharaj, as he would uh, also be referred to by uh, Srila Prabhupada's godbrothers, because his sannyas name was Swami, as opposed to Puri or Tirtha or uh, so many other names. He was Swami Maharaj. So uh, some devotees mistakenly think this is somehow a disrespectful uh, way of referring to him, but it's, it's um, not, at all, not at all disrespectful. So uh, Swami Maharaj told me joyfully, I have received mercy from my Gurudeva. He blessed me and has given me power. I was too much anxious for the Bhagavata commentary. Mm. Now it's not clear what Prabhupada is saying there. It seems Prabhupada was anxious about whether he was doing it whether he was doing it properly or whether he would complete it. In any case, that's all he says. He said, <clears throat> now he's quoting Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur. He says, you just write and all six Goswamis will help you. <laughs> so that's quite a blessing. You just write and all six Goswamis will help you. Uh, mm. let's see there was something more oh yes then in the next paragraph another vision Prabhupada had sometimes he our Srila Prabhupada would tell uh, me something special mm that I, Gopal Ghosh, understood as uh, quite intimate, secret. <clears throat> he said, I saw him one day, I was visiting, and he was chanting Harinam very deeply, and I saw tears coming from his eyes. And then I asked him um, what, was, what was going on, 
first he wouldn't say anything, and then he said that he had received a visit the night before. In the courtyard by Srila Rupa Goswami's Samadhi, he saw some very beautiful persons. One was wearing only kopin and was chanting on large Tulsi mala around his neck. His eyes were large like lotus flowers and he was extremely effulgent. Also coming there was another personality dressed similarly but older and taller very kindly to him. Behind them was a much younger sadhu whose beauty and sweetness were captivating. Swami Maharaj told me they were Srila Rupa Goswami, Srila Sanatan Goswami, and guess who? Their nephew, Srila Jiva Goswami. He said they spoke to him and gave him mercy and guidance for his writing and for his future preaching. And Gopal Ghosh says, I tried to ask more, but this was all he would tell me. A couple of more remembrances uh, from Gopal Ghosh Prabhu. He says, He says, I was not in Mathura uh, when he, that is our Srila Prabhupada, took sannyas initiation. He came one evening um, back to Vrindavan, I guess, wearing red cloth. I said, Maharaj, today you've changed your dress. <laughs> yes, he said very gravely. Today I have accepted the sannyas order from Srila Keshava Maharaj. <clears throat> and then he tells about uh, what he calls an inauguration ceremony that Srila Prabhupada organized in Vrindavan for his first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam at the Radha Damodar temple. Srila uh, <laughs> Prabhupada was, uh, he was very energetic. He, he organized everything himself. He invited and uh, was able to get the governor of Uttar Pradesh uh, to come to this event. Um, some senior Godiamat persons also came. Mm. And he also asked Gopal Ghosh to help. He collected money from some devotees in Delhi uh, to put on the festival. Uh, he gave me Gopal goes some rupees, told me to preach through Vrindavan streets on a loudspeaker. 
Prabhupada wanted to tell everyone that the Srimad Bhagavatam in English, first canto, is now available. Uh, and this event was uh, was to be on Jamashtami Day. So he says, indeed, the uh, Uttar Pradesh governor came and Srila Prabhupada, our Srila Prabhupada, gave a very nice lecture. All came to hear and see the small children dance. <laughs> so you can picture this scene. There's a photo here. It shows some of the older, the dignitaries together with Srila Prabhupada. Uh, so Prabhupada took care of the whole thing. Uh, and, mm, and he said, in his speech that day, he explained how much illumination will come from these translations because many people, both Eastern and Western, will chant Harinam Sankirtan and worship this Harinam with puja and seva. So Srila Prabhupada was confident that this book is going to make a difference. This is, we're, we're, we're looking at, um, this, would, this would be early 1960s. So far, Prabhupada is, um, you know, he's unknown person, uh, but he is, he is announcing this is all going to happen. My first canto is now published. This is Srila Prabhupada speaking. And other cantos will be published. Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita will also be translated gradually and other books as well. Then uh, Gopal Ghosh says, he told me how he believed this would be a great work because his guru ordered him to preach all over the world. And then Prabhupada says, Gopal Ghosh remembers, I have no courage to do such a task. But now my Gurudev has shown me the light. So I am enlightened by him. <laughs> and uh, another incident he remembers... Gopal Ghosh says, One time I was walking by Keshigat in the heat of summer and I saw him, that is our Srila Prabhupada, alone on one of the islands in the middle of the Yamuna. Now the Yamuna River is kind of constantly shifting and sometimes it would create small islands of, of sand. These are kind of coming and going. It says he saw Srila Prabhupada on one of these islands across <laughs> from uh, Keshigat. He, <laughs> he had prepared the sand like a small hill, and he has, he had put his danda 
his sannyas danda in the middle of this little mound of sand. And then he was circumambulating that little hill, chanting Hare Krishna and Hari Bol, joyful like a child. Gopal Ghosh says, I could see that he was absorbed in spiritual ecstasy. Another time I also saw him performing Sankirtan, chanting and dancing near that same place along with three or four persons. When I called greetings to him, he said, this is Prabhupada replying to Gopal Ghosh, we are wandering in great happiness on the bank of the Yamuna. <laughs> mm. And uh, maybe one more little uh, incident, or maybe two, <clears throat> from Prabhupada in Vrindavan. Gopal Ghosh says, there was an old lady who daily came from the Yamuna after taking bath. She was very old and she had this uh, old walking stick. It was very beaten and broken. And once Srila Prabhupada said to her, Oh, Guru Ma, you please take my stick and give me your stick. Prabhupada wanted to trade sticks. Prabhupada had a very nice cane, a nice walking stick. Uh, <clears throat> so he's, he's, <laughs> he said, you take this one, I will take yours. I want your blessings, Prabhupada said to this woman. The old lady began to weep. She began to cry. Oh, Baba, you are joking with me. I am not able to take your cane. It will be stolen. Someone will snatch it from me. You please keep it yourself. And Prabhupada, okay, he didn't insist, but he gave her some rupees, he remembers. Prabhupada gave her some rupees. <clears throat> and uh, speaking of uh, giving such respect uh, to this little old lady, there's reference to another lady who was his god sister. There was a Bengali devotee, Kiran Bhala Devi. who lived in Vrindavan. Uh, she had been in Bhagbazar in Calcutta, before that Mayapur. And she had sold whatever she had. Um, typically, ladies in India, you'll see they'll have ornaments, and especially in the villages. Uh, silver, maybe gold ornaments. That's the wealth of the family is worn on the body of the woman. She sold all of that. 
And she had been a widow uh, for 16 years in Vrindavan, and she lived in a small hut uh, in what he calls the Gopinath district. And she would beg on the steps of the Govindaji temple. So Gopal Ghosh says, I noticed Srila Prabhupada would always give her some Lakshmi fruits and grains. And he would gently ask her, You are quite well? Your bhajan is good? And she would say, Brother, you please bless me so I shall leave my body in Vrindavan. Then he reports that in May of 1978, we admitted her in the Ramakrishna Hospital and she expired, always chanting Harinam and not depending on any rich person. So that means she left successfully in Vrindavan because Ramakrishna Mission Hospital is in Vrindavan. Well, on and on, a whole book full of memories of Prabhupada before he went west. But now I would like to share some memories of Shamasundar Prabhu. Some of you may have already read. Uh, this is Chasing Rhinos with the Swami in Volume 2. And uh, I met Shamasundar Prabhu in Mumbai in, uh, in March. He, uh, he signed my copy of the book. And uh, he told me things which you can also read in the book, but uh, it was very sweet uh, just hearing him speak about his his memories of uh, being <clears throat> being with Srila Prabhupada so much. Something that Shamasundar emphasizes throughout his books. Uh, there are two volumes. There's a third volume coming. He said it's actually already done, uh, ready to be printed. Is um, what a spirit of adventure it was to be with Prabhupada. It was always an adventure. Uh, each day was was a new adventure, a new surprise, something uh, unexpected and something exciting. It was always always fun, he said. It was always fun to be with Srila Prabhupada. It was, uh, and he, he says also in the book how much Prabhupada would, uh, would make him laugh. He had a particular relationship with Prabhupada of, uh, yeah, a, a certain, a, a certain, I guess, hasya rasa. <laughs> And he says sometimes Prabhupada would say something and then he would look over uh, sort of a side glance to Shamasundar, like making an inside joke. So that relationship was there. But I thought it's nice to remember uh, the adventures of Srila Prabhupada and Shamasundar uh, and uh, 
One other devotee whose name I'm forgetting, Arun, uh, Arun not Aruna, um, another devotee in Moscow, uh, particularly because uh, I think it connects to, in a sort of indirect way, but it connects to Berlin, because, of course, Berlin uh, has been a divided city with the famous or infamous Berlin Wall. And, uh, of course, I, I remember the time when the wall was very much a reality and we would uh, make visits on the other side of the wall going through Checkpoint Charlie. So all of that, uh, you can say the, the change that comes, the political change, uh, massively significant, globally significant change that happens in 1989. We can say it began in 1971. Uh, and Shamasundar says as much. He says, um, Prabhupada arrived in Russia in June 20, on June 20th 1971, and the short time he spent there could rightly be called five days that changed the world. <laughs> uh, so, Shama Sundar tells the whole adventure of uh, meeting Professor Katowski. Uh, eventually meeting uh, this young man, Anatol, uh, who will become Ananda Shanti. <clears throat> so I'll jump uh, to his meeting with uh, Kat uh, Professor Katowski. Professor Katowski um, was, mm, you could say, a very uh, well-conditioned <laughs> communist, apparently. Uh, he was following the, mm, the communist uh, doctrine, the Marxist doctrine that he had been trained in, probably from childhood, um, so, arrangement had been made. I don't remember the details how it came, uh, the initial contact, but in any case, it was arranged that Prabhupada would meet uh, this Professor Katowski. And Prabhupada is, uh, as he would always be, extremely direct. Uh, in his presentation, in a way which uh, one might almost feel was na naive, was na was was too much innocent. So Prabhupada uh, said, and this is Shamasundar quoting him. Uh, Prabhupada said to Professor Katowski. So we have come so far to see you 
to discuss that modern sociology is targeting the state or the people as the owner of a certain state. But our Vedic conception is everything is owned by Isha, the supreme controller. <laughs> of course, Marxism is thoroughly atheist, <laughs> and Prabhupada doesn't care. He says, oh, we understand that uh, everything's owned by Isha, the supreme controller. And uh, Shamasundar says, I quietly turned on the Hitachi cassette recorder in my book bag. And like any good spy, I slide it unseen beneath the table. <laughs> and then Prabhupada goes on, he says, the other day, I was reading in the paper, the newspaper, Moscow News. There was a Congress, Communist Congress, and the president declared that, quote, we are ready to get others' experience to improve. So Srila Prabhupada takes this as an invitation. So here I am. I'm ready to help. <laughs> he said, so I think the Vedic conception of socialism or communism will much improve the idea of communism. Just like we are thinking in terms of human beings, the socialist state, that nobody should starve, Everyone must have his food. And then he goes on to tell about the, uh, what he calls the Vedic conception of the Grihasta, that the Grihasta, the householder, uh, should see that even a lizard or a snake living in the house should not starve. <laughs> so here is his professor, you know, like Prabhupada would say sometimes, big, big professor. Here's this professor, you know, concerned about communism, socialism, and the union of Soviet social republics and so on. And here's Prabhupada talking about feeding lizards and snakes. Uh, they should not starve. And what to speak of others? The Grihasta, before taking his lunch, he is recommended to stand on the road and declare that, quote, if anybody is still hungry, please come. Food is ready. Then, if there is no response, then the proprietor takes his lunch. Uh, he says, in this way, there's so many good ideas about socialism <laughs> uh, for communism. <clears throat> so I want to share them with you. <laughs> uh, 
And Kartovsky is, you know, he's kind of standoffish person. He says, yes, here we're very interested in um, this kind of history of old, of old God, he says. And then Prabhupada just kind of ignores that comment and goes on to speak about Varnashram. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and Katovsky says, but all this has changed now. <laughs> and Prabhupada says, again, just straightforward, uh, yes, but we want to revive the best from the original idea. And he goes on to talk about Varnashram. Uh, but then Katovsky says, so forget about Vedas. Our approach is we don't believe in anything without argument. Hmm. Okay, Prabhupada says, argument is allowed, but not with a challenging spirit. <laughs> and then he says, just like cow dung, <laughs> you are familiar, you are thinking it is dirty, but Veda says it is pure. And science also says it is disinfectant, so why don't you accept? <laughs> you are pursuing Lenin consciousness. We are trying to understand Krishna consciousness. Both are historical personalities. Both are telling us to surrender. Our life is by surrender, is it not? So like this, Prabhupada was uh, being uh, quite straightforward in his presentation. And of course, the, the great result from Prabhupada's visit uh, to Moscow that time was the sort of chance meeting with this young man, Anatol, uh, whom Shyamasundar had met on the street. Uh, when Shama Sundar was shopping, and they got into conversation. Uh, Shama Sundar brought him back to the hotel room uh, together with one other boy. The other boy was not so interested. He left after some time. Anutol stayed. And uh, as we say, the rest is history. And then there's a funny sort of... Um, Mm, how to say uh, uh, sequel sequel to this? Um, what is her name now? Just slipping my mind. Eventually, Srila Prabhupada arranges for him to be married um, by um, mm, what's her name? This French devotee who had resolved not to marry, <laughs> and the last place she would want to go. Uh, was would be to Russia. And Prabhupada asked her, how would you like to go to Moscow and uh, marry this boy? And she said, yes, okay. <laughs> Such power Prabhupada had. Mm. Yes. Well, this was so many years ago, and here we are in the year 2020. And on the... Mm. On the day of 
um, the departure, the tirobhav of the acharya. It's good, I believe, to look to look back on his legacy and to look forward to be thinking. How do we carry that legacy forward? What is what is it that we can do uh, to carry what the gift that we have received and uh, to to carry it to others? Um, I just read one devotee called attention to a nice comment that. Uh, His Holiness Sachinandan Swami made one or two days ago. Srila Prabhupada, he said, is like the North Star, Dhruva. The stars are all moving. Uh, You cannot orient yourself to them if you're in the middle of the ocean. Um, But there is one star that you can orient yourself to, and that is the North Star, because it is fixed. All the other stars are rotating around it. Uh, And of course, Dhruva refers to the person, Dhruva Maharaj, whose planet this is. But also the word Dhruva means fixed. So Srila Prabhupada is this fixed star. And yet this fixed star who is Srila Prabhupada what is he doing? He is pointing us to Krishna, uh, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is, we can say in one sense, anything but fixed. He is restless. He is always, uh, he's always moving. He's always doing unexpected things. And uh, that Lord is our Lord, whom we are taking shelter of. And that is the great challenge that Srila Prabhupada has given us. To take shelter of and to give shelter. Um, and so we can also be reminded, as we do every time we chant Srila Prabhupada's pranam mantras, the second one, Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Desha Tarine. Srila um, Prabhupada himself composed uh, this mantra to describe his mission of Nirvishesha Shunyavada Paschatya Desha Tarin. He is delivering, literally it's saying tarine, unto the one who delivers. Tar, a tarin is, is one who crosses tarine unto the one who crosses uh, or uh, brings across paschatya uh, desha to Western, Western lands. But of course, his Western lands ended up including also Eastern lands, uh, including former Soviet Union, including China. Although Prabhupada didn't personally go to China, he went to Hong Kong, which is a kind of gateway into China. Um, 
But nirvishesha shunyavada paschatyadeshatan, re, uh, delivering from nirvishesha and shunyavada. The depth to which um, the world is absorbed in what Prabhupada called impersonalism, nirvishesha, uh, and shunyavada, uh, voidism, is is hard to comprehend. Uh, the devotees in New York were wondering why is it that Srila Prabhupada is always talking about these nirvishesh, these uh, mayavadis. Uh, they they thought he he seems to be holding some grudge about some some obscure philosophers in India. <laughs> until they realized that, no, Srila Prabhupada was speaking about themselves. Uh, and so this is also for us to be aware of as we look at ourselves, uh, that we are... Um, uh, we want to... Make sure that we are not ourselves overcome by nirvishesha shunyavada, that we can ourselves understand the personality of Godhead and with the personality of Godhead, the personality of the personhood uh, of all there is, of all of Krishna's creation. That way we can understand Prabhupada's message and be able to uh, communicate it effectively to everyone so that uh, everyone can join in the, the festival which Srila Prabhupada was celebrating in Vrindavan uh, on, a, on a sand island in the middle of the Yamuna uh, dancing around his danda. <laughs> We can perhaps end with that image of Srila Prabhupada dancing and chanting, dancing around his danda in the uh, middle of the uh, island, in the middle of the Yamuna, and chanting Hare Krishna in anticipation that we would be joining him and that more more and more, and eventually the whole world would be joining in this uh, endless festival of Krishna Bhakti. Srila Prabhupada ki jai Hare Krishna. Yes, Mandakini, I see now the reference here from Dirali. Mandakini it was uh, who Srila Prabhupada arranged uh, to to marry Ananda Shanti Prabhu. So, Hare Krishna. This wonderful presentation. Um, I see we have six, there are 65 participants. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone has a question or a remark or anything, but uh, if uh, usually I tell people to unmute themselves and speak. Mm -hmm. but, uh, with 64 people, uh, might be, might become a bit chaotic. So, uh, 
but I don't have an alternative solution. So maybe if anyone has a question, mm -hmm. we still might have some minutes. Uh, yeah, just unmute yourselves and type it into the chat box. Muninda Ganapadu has a question. Yes. And I can see somebody. You have to go closer to the microphone, I think. If you can come close to the microphone. You mean my own memories? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I don't know about favorite memories. Um, okay, one favorite memory, if you like, uh, is, again, this is a nice image, I think, that we can all put in our minds, uh, which I've always liked to remember from, my, from personally seeing, uh, was when Srila Prabhupada was in London in 1973 in the summer. And uh, there was Ratha Yatra, um, as, they do, <clears throat> as they do presently, uh, going down from Mar Marble Arch uh, to Trafal Trafalgar Square uh, with three carts, uh, one each for uh, Jagannath, for Baladev, Subhadra, and Jagannath. And with Srila Prabhupada, uh, who became so joyful at the event, instead of sitting on Subhadra's cart, he joined on the street, um, walking along in front of Subhadra and with his hands raised and with tears in his eyes, uh, dancing all the way. Uh, very joyful, very amazing to see. And, you know, with a smile and just like, um, this was, you know, the, the perfection of life. <laughs> to, to be with uh, all the devotees and with Lord Jagannath. It was like a victory procession. And um, no words were needed. Of course, Srila Prabhupada did give a lecture when he arrived, when we all arrived at Trafalgar Square. Then they had a big setup for him to uh, sit on a nice Vyasasana and speak to the crowd. And that was all very nice, but the the thing that really struck me was that he was uh, he was dancing in in Ratha Yatra. And for us, mm, 
we are seeing we were seeing Prabhupada dancing, and I I had the the feeling thinking about it later uh, that Prabhupada must be seeing Lord Chaitanya dancing, and you know, despite our blindness. Um, in effect, we were allowed to see through Srila Prabhupada, uh, Lord Chaitanya. Yeah. Hare Krishna. Yes, I think, um, is it Eva wants to ask something? Oh, I thought you were raising hand. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So if anyone has a question, they can still have a chance to unmute themselves now. And <laughs> you have a chance. Hare Krishna. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, we'd be concluding the evening. It's, it's nice, you know, as far as memories go, as... I'm sure most of you know, uh, there are so many interviews, recordings of devotees, their memories of Srila Prabhupada. Um, um, and you can find them on YouTube now. So uh, there have been, I, I heard recently some, there are now some 53 books different devotees have written about Śrīla Prabhupāda. So, <laughs> of course, Prabhupāda wants us to read his books. Uh, <laughs> and that's as it should be. But we also like to read about him. There's something about Śrīla <clears throat> Prabhupāda's ways uh, that is just so attractive. And I think... One thing that's so amazing about Prabhupada is how he touched the hearts of so many people despite our being so different. And so our each of our experiences of Srila Prabhupada will be so different. And yet, um, in, in this one person, Srila Prabhupada, that, uh, he was... Uh, touching so many, so many people. There is one more question I see. Mm -hmm. uh, they would just have to unmute themselves because they are currently, yeah. How can sorry I missed I think one one or two words. How can new devotees keep on the legacy of Prabhupada? Oh, how can new devotees keep the legacy? Um yeah, first thing is uh, read about and hear about and also hear directly um lectures of Srila Prabhupada. There's so many recordings, his lectures, his conversations. 
to to imbibe his spirit i think is uh, is so it's so valuable just to just to listen to him uh, the sound of his voice the sense of urgency the uh, utter conviction i mean the depth of Srila Prabhupada's conviction, you know, uh, we can sort of absorb that. Whether we are new devotees or not so new devotees or old dinosaur devotees like me, uh, we can always benefit. <laughs> we can always benefit from hearing. But also reading about and... Um, and getting a sense of how much Prabhupada wanted to establish a functioning mission uh, that would carry on. Um, and also to imbibe a sense of, well, a sense of courage. Srila Prabhupada was encouraging we heard uh, a few days ago from my uh, my god brother Kripa Moy Prabhu the word encouraging means giving courage Srila Prabhupada was always giving courage and one thing he would do uh, again and again was to send devotees to different places to start uh, preaching centers to start temples. These were, I mean, everyone was a very young devotee when Srila Prabhupada was present, uh, you know, uh, at most someone would be with him for, yeah, for the time he had been preaching, uh, but basically everyone was very young. But Prabhupada would give so much responsibility and say, just take my teaching and go and preach. And then they would do it. And uh, every town and village, this was the spirit. Just, you know, whatever you think you have to do where you are, his mood was, well, just... Um, drop it and go. And this was going on in India uh, when they were traveling. Prabhupada and a few devotees, sometimes they would be going by train from one uh, city to another. And along the way, Prabhupada would tell one devotee, you get out here and just stay here and preach. <laughs> What? <laughs> yes, we can hardly imagine that now, but it's that's that was the mood. Just go and preach. So um, take courage, uh, and at the same time, be very thoughtful and listen to uh, senior devotees. Uh, try to understand there's it's an ongoing process of uh, deepening our our sense of what is Krishna consciousness and how do we how do we 
uh, ourselves practice and how do we share it. This is ongoing process. Not that one day we say, okay, now I got it. Now, now I know what it's all about. As soon as we think, now I know what it's all about, Krishna disappears. <laughs> uh, but we can also um, take courage and inspiration from Srila Prabhupada's uh, sense of confidence that, yes, um, because of the nature of Krishna consciousness, we can be successful in preaching it. I always like to tell the story that, um, that Gurudas tells in his book, uh, title which I don't remember, that they were in Vrindavan. Uh, Prabhupada was in Vrindavan, Gurudas. Gurudas was the president of uh, Vrindavan Krishna Balaram temple for some time. And Prabhupada was having the different uh, senior devotees give the evening Bhagavad Gita class. And Prabhupada would sit in the courtyard and listen to his disciples giving the class. So try to imagine you're giving Bhagavad Gita class and Srila Prabhupada is listening to you. So the devotees were preparing as best they could. Uh, they were memorizing shlokas and quoting them in the class. And, and then it was Gurudas's turn. And Gurudas said, I can't learn a sloka to, to save my life. <laughs> but he did his duty. He gave a class. Uh, according to Gurudas, it was a very simple class. Um, but afterward, he went to Srila Prabhupada and Prabhupada said, very nice, now I can retire. And Gurudas said, well, how, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> and Prabhupada said, and Pishima liked your class also. Pishima is Prabhupada's sister. Pishima did not understand English. <laughs> and Gurudas said, but Pishima doesn't understand English. And Prabhupada said, no, no, she could understand, and she said it was very good. And so now I can retire. And Prabhupada said three times to him, after he gave this very simple class, <laughs> he said, now I can retire meaning he felt that his devotees were becoming qualified uh, to carry the legacy. So that's what we have to do. That's our task. Okay, it's getting a little late.
kind of answered that question. Uh, was about, uh, can you please tell us how Shrina Patapalit dealt with devotees of different natures? Like if someone was more scholarly versus someone more inclined to do menial services, etc. And would he make efforts to identify those natures? So I think you kind of just answered that, but maybe if you still have some more comments on that, you could very briefly uh, say a few words. Um, well, Prabhupada seemed to uh, understand everyone's nature immediately and even without speaking with a person. Um, um, and his engaging of, of people, his engaging of devotees was, yeah, always with a sense of the person's qualification, the, the questioner mentioned uh, if someone was scholarly. Prabhupada had some scholarly devotees and Prabhupada appreciated and did what he could to encourage them. So, for example, um, Swarup Damodar Prabhu, who became Bhakti Swarup Damodar <coughs> Maharaj, um, became one of the first people of Bhaktivedanta Institute. And Srila Prabhupada would always... Uh, encourage him with that and he would always refer to him we have um doctor so-and-so has doctorate in chemistry and so on and um ravindra Prabhu he encouraged also and uh some others uh and if if uh it didn't matter i mean this was not for Prabhupada, this didn't make mean that this devotee was more qualified spiritually. It just meant um, everybody can do their do a service, whatever it is. And Prabhupada caught that one time when uh, some devotees were kind of uh, saying, "Well, the real service is is distributing Prabhupada's books because that's what he said." Prophet said, "No, um, every service matters. Every service is service to Krishna." So let us all remember the legacy Srila Prabhupada's given us. Big responsibility we have. And yes, let's expand Berlin Yatra. <laughs> Thank you very much, Maharaj, for these for these wonderful con concluding words and for your nice presentation. And uh, thanks to all of those devotees, those dozens of devotees who joined us from not only Germany but also from many other countries, um, and many whom I have not seen before. Uh, at any of our Zoom lectures. Thank you for being here for the first time or for being a recurring, recurring um, or returning uh, participant in our Zoom lecture. And uh, Maharaj, uh, we hope that we can hear from you very soon again. Uh, it's always nice to have you. Uh, thank you very much and have a good night. Guten Nacht alle. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Ananta Goti Vaishnava Vinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanande Hari Bol.